When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, I'm Johnny Owen, and this is the Best 11 podcast from TalkSport. Mark Webster and I ask our guests 11 questions all about their love of football, from their earliest memories of the game to how their matchday rituals have changed over the years. And at the end, they'll tell us their best 11, a team made up of anyone who's ever played for their club, along with a manager of their choice. Will they force players from a different era into a 4-3-3, or will they keep it simple with a 4-4-2? We'll find out very shortly. Our guest today has one of the most impressive CVs you can have. He's a rock star, he's a writer, and one of the most important people in late 20th century football culture. Founder of the legendary and era-defining end fanzine, he's also an all-round smashing fella. It's the marvellous Pete Hooten. Pete, welcome to your best 11. Can you start by telling us who you support and why? My team is a Liverpool Football Club. and I support them because of, of, the, of my family, really. My granddad was a Liverpool fan. He lives right opposite the cop in a place called Granton Road. Uh, and my dad was a Liverpool season ticket holder since the 1960s. So the very first memories I ever had was my granddad kicking a ball and yeah, trying to show me how to play footy, you know, unsuccessful. So- <laughs> he used to be a bit of a footballer, you see. I've got a great photograph of him, 1906-1907 um, season, winning a, a, a trophy in the Anfield area. Oh, wow. <laughs> so you're, you're, you're literally, but you were born to be a Liverpool fan, really, Pete, weren't you? Well, I think that they're my first memories of, uh, of football. And, you know, it was one, it's one of those when, when your granddad and your dad support a team, you're not really going to go against them, are you? No. <laughs> oh, that goes Liverpool. There were some Evertonians in my family. My mum's side of the family tended to be Evertonians, right. but my dad's side were all Liverpoolians, you know. So the male gene was more dominant with, <laughs> with Pete Hooten. <laughs> that's, it, that's it, yeah. And, um, you know, because they live by the ground... That's my earliest memories of crowds going to the match. And, and my dad used to um, used to park outside my nans. So she'd put, like, the chairs out or the yeah. step lights. <laughs> and if anyone tried to move them, there was murder. <laughs> Do you remember the first game you went to? Well, I, I don't really because I know... I remember the incident because my granddad took me and it was a reserve game. And he took me because in those days you could get into reserve game if, if you had a season ticket. So he got into the reserve game, but he, he took me on a crash barrier and I fell off and split my head open. <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> there was no one else around, of course, because it was a reserve game. But that was my first memory. But my dad used to um, he used to work with someone called Ray Shelley, and Ray Shelley's dad was the trainer, Albert Shelley in the 50s and 60s, and he was still hung around when Shankly came, even though he wasn't paid. He was one of those people who wore one of those uh, brown, you know, uh, overcoats. Right, yeah. And just an odd job man, boot room boy, you know, used to fix all the boots and that. So I don't think he was even getting paid in the 60s, but he was still there. And he'd get the odd ticket for me. Uh, me, My dad would get me the ticket, and we'd go in the obstructed view right next to the um, cop in the main stand, but right next to the boys' pen. And the boys' pen, if anyone remembers boys' pens in those days, they were jungles. Yeah. <laughs> so all through the match, you'd be getting pelted. <laughs> <laughs> they were the, Not only were you in the obstructed view, you know, you were there, there was no one around you because it wasn't the days of sellouts all the time, you know. So there'd be, there'd be, you know, you'd be sitting there, I'd be sitting there with my dad. But my dad had the season ticket, you see, for the Cameron Road, which was built in, 
think 62, 63 season. So when he got tickets off uh, Albert Shelley, you know, we'd come in the main stand with me. And my first time I remember going to a game independently, I went in the Anfield Road a couple of times opposite the cop, and then I thought it was big enough to go in the cop. So I went into the cop, but it was early 70s, and it was Liverpool played Man United. And it was a two, I always remember the game, it was a two-all draw, but uh, to my, you know, uh, I went in the cop, but I wasn't big enough, obviously, so I had to sit on one of the crash barriers. Uh, and, I, you know, um, I got pushed off the barrier and I had to be lifted. It was a tradition in those days. Women and children, if they were in trouble in the cop, they'd be lifted over the heads and sent down to the front. Right. And that's what happened to me, to my eternal shame. <laughs> you, <laughs> and, were, you and crash well, barriers not getting on, yeah, Peter. Yeah, his early Spain <laughs> career, falling off a of crash barriers. <laughs> So it, it, it did happen to me mum in the 50s. She consistently oh, goes to the, to the match with my dad because my dad and his mate were going to the match. I said, oh, we'll come with you, me, uh, me mum and her sister. And the same thing happened to her. And they were in the middle of the cop and they had to be passed over the heads. You know? So it's a family tradition. <laughs> <laughs> Being dropped at your head at Liverpool. <laughs> Brilliant. Pete, did you, did you have a... Uh, obviously, you remember those um, those early days when I, I suppose when Shankly would have been there and you, Liverpool would have been one of the best teams in the country, if not Europe. But yeah. Did you have a favourite player as a kid? Yeah, I mean, um, I'd say... I thought about this long and hard because there's, you know, there's some great players in the 60s, but I can't really remember them that well. You know, I see footage of them and that. But for me, it was the second Shankly team that I started going regularly. Like, And it was a toss-up between Keegan and Toshak. And I've gone for Toshak because uh, I saw him in a nightclub once a few years later and he was absolute dynamite on the dance floor. He's a, he, he was a big, handsome lad, wasn't he, uh, Toshak he in was, the day? And well when he arrived, it was like a film star coming. Yes. You know, he was like... The beautiful wife looked like Britt Eklund, you know, and uh, Shankly arrived at um, Lime Street to meet him and he wore his, his Mac and his, uh, and his Trilby because he thought Trilby's impressed people. If he ever went to the FA on a disciplinary, he always had his Trilby on because he said it looked, he looked like a Chicago gangster. <laughs> and he could maybe intimidate the FA, but sure. obviously he met Joshak to impress him with his Trilby on. And I've got a great photograph of it, you know. It's interesting because he was um, he was obsessed with uh, the old what was the old uh, James Cagney wasn't he that was that was his idol yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah the old dirty rats and the great thing about Toshak he he was he was he was he was his own man because he went out to Europe and just owned that as well didn't he he had a great life out yeah. there as a player and a manager yeah yeah he was you know he was he was a very skillful player even though he was known for his aerial uh, ability but you know Keegan obviously was was dynamite. He absolutely transformed the team, you know. But I think uh, there was a there was a match uh, against Borussia Mönchengladbach, which was actually uh, the match went ahead, and Toshak had been left on the bench or he be, hadn't been picked, and right. he, he went over the hoof. Yeah, um, it was rained off. It was torrential rain, believe it or not, in in uh, monsoon Liverpool, and um, Toshak had gone off in a stop, but uh, Shankly picked him for the following night. Um, to get, you know, and like Liverpool hadn't done anything on the first night after half an hour, it was nil nil. But as soon as Toshak uh, played with Keegan, you know, it was like uh, Toshak Keegan, one nil. That was the, the famous one, wasn't it? You know? Yeah, yeah. I, I got a great Toshak story that kind of sums him up for a lot of people. Um, a really good friend of mine, Di Griffiths, is the um, is the kit man for the Welsh national football oh, right. team. And he was a kit man for Toshak. And he said, when he first joined as the Wales manager, the first time I met him, we all met for a big meal. And when the meal was finished, Toshak got up and Dai said, I was sitting next to him and he offered him his back. And Dai said, I sort of looked at him and wondered what he's on about. Of course, he went to sort of put my jacket on me. Yeah. And he kind of said, I did it. I couldn't help doing it. You know, the James Brown leads, leads the stage. <laughs> he said, please, I did please, that. He said, please, but he's got please. that presence. And he said, I always yeah. did it. I always ended up putting the jacket on Toshak. He was oh, that kind of no. bloke. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and he said, I don't know why I did it. He said, but I always did it. But With he said, his cane. Yes, he was back. almost like that yeah. was the kind of like the presence he had anyway. We've talked a lot yeah. about um, Liverpool as, uh, you know, that great team of the 70s. So you kind of remember the second Shank- Shankly team. What were your rituals, your match day rituals, Pete, when you went to, to, went to Anfield at that time? Uh, well, it was always uh, walking across the park, really, and getting uh, getting to me nans. I used to go to me nans. Uh, they'd move slightly a bit further away from the ground, only you know a few hundred yards, but used to go and have me dinner there maybe and then uh, get in early because you had to get in early in those days because obviously if you were trying to get into the cop you know, for the big games, there were lockouts, 
And if you were a kid like me, we always tried to sit on this one bar. The one the bar had been um, couldn't get back onto against Man United, but eventually, <laughs> as we got a bit older, that became our bar. And it was more or less just away from the middle of the cop. There was like uh, two thirds of the way up the cop. There was like a walkway, even though it looked like solid. The whole cop. There was a bit of a walkway, and it was the first barrier down, and that's where we used to go. You see, and there. Uh, it became, yeah, you'd have to get there at half one, you know, sometimes, you know, an hour and a half before the game to actually get in. I always remember there was some, you know, scenes outside of it. You always remember the distinctive smell of the horse manure and hot dogs. That's all I can remember. <laughs> Don't smell like, I mean, most football grounds had that, but uh, it was always trying to get in, for, especially when we won the league. Um, Shankly's second-grade team, you know, I think it was getting... It's Leicester, we won the league, it was nil-nil. Uh, but it was, it was really hard getting in that day, you know, to uh, because the amount of people outside. But when Shankly came onto the pitch after the game, and there's, there's really brilliant footage of this, it was like he was the messiah, you know. And I think I've never witnessed before or since um, a communion between a crowd and a manager like that. And he went round the... It took him about half an hour to do the lap of honour <laughs> because so many kids were jumping on his back. And, and I remember a policeman, there's a famous footage of the policeman kicking a scarf away. Someone had thrown a scarf from the car and he picks it up and says to the policeman, that's somebody's life. Oh, you know? great he, he had a way with words. It's a great line. Can I ask, Pete, because I've never really had the opportunity to ask this, watching a game of football from the cop, we, we can see from a distance, you know, what the experience yeah. is like. But is it easy to watch a game, follow the game of football in there? Yeah, I think, it, you know, it was. I mean, certainly in the 70s and 80s when it, bigger crowds, you know, and it was terracing. Uh, sometimes a bit, bit difficult if, you, if uh, someone like Peter Couch stood in front of you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, um, yeah, it was fairly, you know, it was fairly easy to watch. And there was a feeling there of, you know, it was... It was a swaying mass of people. Yeah. And um, there's that brilliant footage from the 60s where someone from the BBC goes and, and they're all singing She Loves You and Anyone Had a Heart and all that. I was I was a bit after that, so the crowds weren't as big because they reduced the capacity of the cop. But uh, it was still a great vantage point to see it. Yeah, it was fantastic. And what about now, Pete? Do you still go in the cop now? What are your matchday rituals? Yeah, I'm still a season ticket holder. Whether I'll ever get back there, I don't know. But <laughs> I'm still a season ticket holder in block 306 in the cop, which is more or less where I used to sit on the cash barrier, you know. It's right in the middle of the cop. And um, we've been going there since 2007 in the same area, a few hundred of us, and they let us stand there, you know. I mean, it's unofficially, but they just let us stand there. And uh, we, you know, we all look forward to going down at half-time, you know, and going into the concourse. I think everything's going to change now, though, obviously, isn't it? Yeah. Because of Capacities. The whole thing about football for me was the social side of it as well. Sure, you know, going sure. to yeah. before that, uh, and I think obviously that's going to be curtailed a bit. You know, well, some of the pubs before you know in Liverpool are almost as famous as the Cop. You know, the the Arkles and the Yankee Bar and those kind of places. Would you was, yeah. did you have a place you went to before the game, Pete? Uh, yeah, well, I go to one now called the Twelfth Man. It used to be called the Salisbury, but everyone knows it as the Solly. Yeah. And being changed the name to the 12th man. It's right, you know, a few hundred yards from the cop. So we always go there, yeah. In the 80s, we always used to go to uh, a place on just off Scotland Road, which is called the Jester. Yeah. Uh, that's where we used to sell the end and, and, and things like that. But now that's a funeral parlour. No, it's a funeral <laughs> well, I do like the symbolism of that, yeah. We wanted, I just want to quick chat to you about, uh, quickly about the end. Because yes. we get so many emails and people uh, mentioning it. And I, say, I mean... Yeah. I mean, it's, it's quite difficult when you're the person who's kind of one of the founder editors, but did you possibly imagine the effect that would have on, on football, really, at that time? No idea, really, because it wasn't really a football fanzine. It was just an observational fanzine of, like, things that we found funny. So what we'd do is we'd just uh, we'd go to the pub and think up ideas for various stories. So I saw it as, like, um, it was just a satirical magazine that didn't... Uh, it just took the... Mickey out of everyone, you know. It upset a few people in Liverpool, actually, because, you know, there was radio uh, DJs who were always getting attacked. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, was, you know, there was one called Billy Butler, who was a famous Evertonian, who was yes. on Radio Merseyside up yeah. until recently. And he challenged us. He said, come in and I'll let 
do an interview. And we went in to do an interview with him in the Holiday Inn, believe it or not, which was on Paradise Street opposite Radio Merseyside. And his, his musical knowledge was unbelievable. So, uh, and he got the ailing. So he was a mate for Oh, he wins. <laughs> He's old. He gets. I mean, John Peel was a big champion as well. Those, that's when it kind of it went national, really, when, when figures like that yeah. got, got behind it. As soon as John Peel started mentioning it, it went national. And he, he, he was wearing N t shirts on uh, Top of the Pops. Yeah. yeah. And there was also something called the Oxford Road Show, and he invited us in for that. And there's still footage of that of a very uncomfortable five lads. Yeah. <laughs> Appearance, didn't know what, what to do. But he said it was about the stuff of life. He said music, football and beer, you know. Yeah. And he said the reason he, he wanted to meet us is because I, I remember sending him a very um, nasty letter. It, wasn't, wasn't, it was a rude letter, really, you know, saying, taking the mickey out of his show, really, saying, believe it or not, John, you know, uh, Georgian folk music isn't popular on the council. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, so we became friends after that, you know. But we used to take in the match, and he'd bring people from the BBC sometimes. And wow. when Ben Brighton beat Liverpool in the FA Cup, Jimmy Case was playing for Brighton, I think. And he went to record the cop, but it was during the 80s, so it was like there wasn't as much singing as there being from we can remember. And he, you know, it was hard to it was hard to get any. Any uh, sounds really of uh, of singing because yeah. you know everyone had gone too cool. Yes, to sing. I remember that. Yes, <laughs> stand to the side and let the, idiot, the young idiots and scarves yeah, sing. Yeah, but there's it? also there were also yeah, yeah. I think contributing factors to non-singing yeah, in those also, days. Yeah, and, and the, the fashion he was sort and of more the, showing off. And of course, you know whatever you, whatever way you were warming up for the game. Can I just ask a quick question? Just for the yep. this might be to this side. We're going to be talking to Terry Farley on Sunday, and you, uh, you and you and Terry Farley have a, a, a sort of an interesting relationship, don't you? Yeah, well, Terry, Terry was, um, he used to write to the end religiously about um, uh, fashion, basically, football fashion, you know, and he'd be saying, you know, Liverpool went down to the FA Cup in 82 at Chelsea. They said they couldn't believe the number of well-dressed lads with Liverpool, you know, or, or the Scallies, he called them, you know, we called them Scallies at the time. He said, you know, uh, Chelsea, we've only got about 50 dressed like that, you know. And he was like, <laughs> you know, it's a, he said, but I don't think we can ever do a magazine like the end because because of the reputation of, of Chelsea and he just don't think he doesn't think people would accept it. But they started Boys Own. I think in the end they've said on record saying the end was the inspiration. Yeah. And Boys Own actually became bigger than the end though, <laughs> you know, because it was, that was more um club fashion and football fashion. And it was a brilliant magazine and uh, because of it, we got in touch with him again and said, do you fancy remixing some of the farm stuff? And really, Terry uh, and Suggs, were the, were, you know, they, they changed they changed our, uh, our perspective, really, on on things. You know, and Terry was introducing us to various uh, mixes and different dance loops. And he said, this will work. This might work with uh, All Together Now. This might work with uh, Groovy Train. And he was right. Yeah. Uh, so we Thank him for that, you know. As soon as the King's Road got hold of it, you see, Terry, it's all over. Well, did you know, it's a funny thing if Mark would say that because <laughs> I, I I, think I used to get, it used to be on sale in places like, it was a place in Charing, Charing Cross Road, wasn't it? It sold loads of fanzines and stuff like that. Yeah. That's where you'd see, yeah. see old copies. Soccer pages. I yeah, I think it was called yeah. Soccer Pages. I said, my mate, Mark Evans, because of the end, he founded Dilem for Merthyr, yeah. which still yeah. going and is a legendary oh, fanzine. And like I said, he ended up as, you know, one of the main guys of the Welsh Football Association and because and of the end, and I remember Remember him bringing it back to yeah. South Wales, going, you've got to read this magazine, do you know what I mean? It's, it's amazing how the right people sort of got that, Pete, really, wasn't it? A lot of people in the past have said, you know, they encouraged them to write. Yeah. Because, you know, we you know, had, um, we interviewed people like Jimmy Boyle, you know, people like that, who was yeah. you know, one of the most dangerous prisoners in Scottish prison, and his life was transformed by sculpture, wasn't it? That's so, right, yeah. The end was very popular in here, Manchester's institution. Captive audience, I argue. The number of poems we had sent from uh, prison by people saying, I've never done this before, but I, I think you won't laugh at us, you know. Yeah. Uh, that's, it was great because it just it, it encouraged uh, the working class to write, really. That Absolutely. Was what it was all about, you know? Brilliant. Pete, have you got a favourite um, piece of memorabilia or a memento? Yeah, well, I mean, I've got a few. I've got a few. I've got Razor Rolex boots here. Have from, you? Uh, he didn't deserve to play for Liverpool, so they're not going in. <laughs> <laughs> I'll it, tell him. He was a testimonial, and we were miming on the pitch at half time. But before the game, there was a, like a, a celebrity match, and I, 
I didn't take my boots or nothing, but Sammy Z said, Sammy Z said, Peter, you've got to have a game, Tanfield, you know, you won't get another chance. So I said, I haven't got any boots. He said, well, here's Razor Ruddox. And believe it or not, for a very big man, he had very small feet. He <laughs> <laughs> got the boots here and the uh, eight and a half. I couldn't believe it. Wow. And I take nine and a half. And I played for Celtic, actually. Nice. And Jimmy Johnson, Jinky. I was playing next to him and wore that. Could I get the ball off Jimmy Johnson? Wow. No one ever got the ball wow. off Jimmy Johnson. And I said to um, Alan Hansen was playing for the, the Liverpool team. And I said to Alan, I said, look, if I get the ball, Alan, just let me ghost past you. Please, please. And he just went, F off. Of <laughs> <laughs> course he did. Of course he did. The best game the best game of football Neil Runnock's boots ever had. There you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we had 65 scarf as well. Yeah, uh, lovely. I've got a brick from uh, Glen Buck from Shankly's house. Oh, wow. Went up to Glen Buck a few years ago and his, uh, his niece said that's where his house stood and there was a pile of bricks, so we all took the bricks, so it must have been from himself. But I think it'd have to be um, the farm Sabutio team. Nice. Oh, superb. We're the only group that Sabutio made the team for. They did make, um, they did make uh, figures for the Beatles, uh, but there were four figures, Sabutio figures with guitars. Right. But no, ours no. was the only Sabutio team um, that was named, you know. So we had the Colors of Spartacus. So it's basically like the Santetienne kit, Santetienne kit. Nice. So it's a green shirt, white shorts and red socks, you know. What an honour. That's fantastic, that is, isn't it? About as good as it I gets. Think, I think that's our best one yet. That's superb. Good, I can't believe that. <laughs> Honestly, great. it is. Peter. It's very fashionable now for groups to be into football, isn't it? But, you know, I don't think... In those days, it was only like the house mark. We talked about, you were, we talked about this. I think yeah. I think you were the first... I mean, there was obviously... Uh, there was the the, singer, the lead singer of the house mark. And I know, I know sort of Norman has said since that he was a, he's a Brighton fan, but... Uh, uh, I think, oh, uh, yeah, he, but you know, he was he was a Sheffield United fan. Sheffield United, all right. But okay. you were the first band that I remember going. We like football because it was you were actually yeah. warned a lot of the time. People say not to say you like put, uh, you football, yeah, because you put yeah. your audience off, don't you? I think what had happened is the people had seen what had happened to the Cockney rejects. Yeah, yes. Cockney rejects, you know, went round uh, saying they were West Ham fans, and people were doing timers on how long the gig had last. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, Liverpool, it was into two songs and it was over. You know, there was a in Manchester the same, you know. So, because I think they used to wear like West Ham shirts on, on stage, you know. And I thought, even though we want to encourage football fans to like the group, we don't want to be that, you know, uh, insular and people, you know, we're Liverpool fans or we're Everton fans or whatever. I mean, there's three Liverpool fans in the group and one Evertonian. Yeah. Roy, the drummer, uh, is Liverpool, and me and Steve, the guitarist, and, and Keith Mullen is the Evertonian, three to one. That's about the ratio in the city, believe it or not. Yeah, I, I mean, it is. Yeah. A, it's a bit of a myth, like Manchester, that everybody knew was supposed to Everton. It's, it's not. It's, no. it's it's pretty. You know, it's it's what you it's split. But you probably would well, when, say. When I, when I was a kid, Johnny, uh, when we used to walk to me nan's Priory Road, just outside um, Stanley Park, was when Everton had just won the league. It was 1970-71 season. And there was like 30, 40 coaches or from all around the country, Wales, Ireland, Scotland, mm. um, to see Everton. Yeah. And when Liverpool played, we had about two or three coaches. And I always used to look at them thinking, will we ever be as big as them? Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one day though, Peter. One day. One day. Yes. You, stay, you, you, back, you back the right horse there, didn't you? <laughs> I think obviously um, the success of uh, Liverpool in the 70s and in Europe changed everything. You know? Yeah. And also, also the the the, the cop was, was such a striking thing to see when you're a kid on television, and and the song "You'll Never Walk Alone." And all, it was it yeah. was a kind of it was a, it was a potent mix really to reach out to children, kids all across the world in it really and go that's the club I want to support, isn't it? When I was going in those obstructed views in the main stand, I mean, I used to just look at the cop and I was just mesmerised by it. Yeah. Because in say in night matches and that, there'd be steam rising from it. Yeah. You know? yeah. And the song's spontaneous, you know, and I think there's a song Liverpool fans used to sing, you got your education from the cop, and people did believe that, you know, that they were one step ahead, you know, whether yeah. other fans would say, oh, no, because there was a great book by Adrian Thills a few years ago, Sing When You Win, and I think it was called, and he he, um, he sort of documented the rise of football songs, you know, and there's some brilliant songs from all, all different teams all around the country, you know. You're listening to the Best Eleven podcast from Talk Sport. Do you have a favourite player at the moment? Uh, it's a toss-up between uh, Mane and Van Dijk. 
Mane right. because I, I think he's unplayable sometimes. You know, I don't think he knows what he's going to do himself. Yeah. You know, it's like unbelievable. But I think I'd have to go for um, I'd have to go for Van Dijk because he's just he's just so cool and you know I just know he's got a better record collection. <laughs> yeah, so Toshak's a better dancer. Yeah, Van, I, I see best. where you're coming from, Pete. He was the he was the He's the game changer as well, do you not feel? Or the catalyst, perhaps, for this contemporary livable success, Van Dyke? Yeah, undoubtedly, undoubtedly. I think, you know, everything, everything uh, comes from him, doesn't it? The calmness of the team. I think Alisson is also very important in the jigsaw, but uh, Van Dyke, you know, he, he transformed Liverpool. He transformed Liverpool. And I don't think people realised how good he was, you yeah. know, because I had seen him. My mate, uh, lad, had been on loan from Everton at Motherwell. So we looked to see him. We, we saw Van Dijk and we thought, why isn't he playing for you know someone in the Premier League? You know, yeah. no disrespect to you know Celtic in that, but you just thought you know he's 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 well he's world class, you know. Pete, everything he does looks look so effortless. You know? Yes, yeah, he's a great player. Pete, this is going to be a tough one for you, actually, I'd imagine. But um, have you got a favourite ever Liverpool kit? Favourite ever Liverpool kit? Yeah, I think it was the you know before. Liverpool were the first team to have sponsorship, weren't they? Yeah. Famously. Hitachi, was it? Hitachi? Crown Paints. Crown Paints first, that's it, yeah. Not quite as glamorous as Hitachi. No, no. Crown Paints. Was, uh, there's a very funny photograph of Paisley with a paint tin and a painted <laughs> overall. You know, you can see he doesn't want to be photographed. No. When his chance was the option, he wanted to be photographed. He was photographed with everyone, the Beatles, <laughs> Red Bulls, yeah. Black Everyone. Well, I think Paisley was, you know, you know shy. Wasn't he? he? Didn't want that type of photograph. But I'd so I'd say before that the the early seventies, you know, kit. I mean, the sixties kit was brilliant, but the early seventies kit was just getting into the modern era. So I'd say that you know, seventy two, seventy three kit. That so like a, a white V neck sort of thing. Short V was yeah. short V plain with just a liver bird. White, would that have been a white liver bird? Yeah. No, no. Uh, no paraphernalia. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, it's a real thing with us, our generation. We hate the busy kits, don't we? But then if you have clean. a plain one, the all your kids complain, that's boring, I didn't get it. And I'm like, that's, that's I class. I want the real kit. I yeah. don't want this thing. I know, yes. it's really interesting. <laughs> Pete, here's, a one, here's an interesting one that obviously people have a little ponder on. Have you got a, a team other than Liverpool that you've got a soft spot for? Uh, well, when I was a kid, it was probably, uh, it was probably Celtic because, you know, just because we used to sing at the match Celtic Rangers, Celtic Rangers, and then Liverpool at the end of it. But I, suppose, I always looked at the Celtic um, Celtic results, really, you know, and yeah. I saw that coming up through the 70s. But I wouldn't say, I mean, um, my mate started coaching Hibernian a few years ago, so I, I changed allegiances. It's <laughs> <laughs> allowed on your second team, yeah, that's perfectly yeah, yeah. reasonable. Well, if you used to say a best team that wasn't mine, I'd always go for Brazil '82. Ah, oh, yeah. yeah, the greatest yeah. team never to win the tournament, as the as the, as the saying goes. I still, you still see footage on YouTube of it, and it's, it's a work of art and it's beautiful. Uh, but I think it changed the face of football because they didn't win that tournament. It's weird, mm. isn't it? Yeah, Brazilian football changed after that. You know, Telly Santana, they were, they were all broken. Men, weren't they? Because it, it become more pragmatic, didn't it? Because yeah, it, it looked yeah. like the beautiful way wasn't the right way, didn't it? Yeah, I think you know you look at that team: Falcao, Zico, oh, Ed. So, yeah. I mean, I love properties and the great story about Andy Mitten, the Man United fans in United We Stand, was going to do his autobiography. Socrates, when he, he turned up in Brazil, Andy, uh, on the Friday, I think it was, and he was supposed to meet Socrates, and he never turned up till the Sunday in the hotel. And he said, where have you been? And he turned up with Zico and he said, we love the carnival. We love the women. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good excuse, isn't it? It's a tough call, that one, isn't it? Meet a mank about your, your life story or go dancing for 48 yeah. hours, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, um, he passed away, Socrates, before he could right. uh, do, yeah. do oh. the... Uh, Peter, just want to quickly go back. It's, it's always interested me, the like I say, in the, the the connection. I know the, the cop sang Celtic and Rangers. Liverpool, of course, famously was 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 considered in those the, at its birth a, a Protestant club, wasn't it? But it's become it's become strangely enough uh, much more affiliated with Celtic in many ways the last 20, yeah. 30 years because of the you know, never walk alone and Kenny Dalglish and obviously after Hillsborough the, the game that was played there. It's interesting that, isn't it? There's been a lot of studies on this on the 
if there was any sectarian leanings on both sides, because it's a bit of a myth, a bit of a rumour, really, you know. Mm. But there was, I went to a lecture once by someone who, who, who'd studied every minute of, of every um, board meeting from 1878 with evidence when they started to, you know, to the modern day, and he can't find any evidence of any sectarianism. So he said, yeah. it's an urban myth, and it's an urban myth, and... A lot of my um, family were, you know, Catholics and Liverpool fans, and, that, and they were Dockers. So, yeah. you know, it doesn't, doesn't fit. Uh, it become a bit of an urban myth. I think maybe a lot of um, there's been books written about it, and they can't decide because there's no evidence. You see. Yeah. Uh, but I think in the fifties, Everton had a lot of uh, Irish players, you know, and certainly the school I went to in Bootle, same school as Jamie Carragher, by the way. Nice. Uh, so Salesian, it was called Salesian when I was there. Most of our priests went to Everton matches, you know. So I don't know whether it was just that they invited them in or whatever, you know. But um, it seems to be a bit of a myth. But you know, Evertonians cling to it, you know, as, a, as something. Uh, yeah. As a, you know, it's interesting. I love that story with Shankly where they went, um, he supported Celtic and Rangers as a boy because he just loved football. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, of course he did. And he was Bill. A, and, and he's a brilliant diplomat. <laughs> and you would just go, you would just go, of course he would. You just wanted to go and watch football, yeah. Bill, did you know what I mean? Yeah, that's it. One of his quotes was he doesn't, doesn't care about sectarianism, he doesn't no. care about religion. No. He just wanted to see it. And I think, I think that's what a lot of people's attitude in Liverpool was. In fact, years ago, we used to sell the end at Everton matches as well. Wow. And, um, you know, it went out. People didn't know we were Liverpoolians. The cartoonist was Nevertonian, but most of the rest of us writers were Liverpoolians. But it didn't seem to matter in them days. I think it's all it's all changed since the Premier League and all seats are stadium and you know a lot more segregation in that respect. But you know, you know, I wouldn't dream of going to an Everton match now because I couldn't get in anyway. Yeah, because it's all there, isn't it? You know, so it's. It's it, the rituals have changed in that respect. Yeah. That, that is interesting, Peter. I just want to touch on that. People talk. You, I mean, you were considered not, you know, not close, but Everton Liverpool fans, late seventies, early eighties, did sort of socialise together, didn't they? And meet and things. That's all finished. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Some of the older generation. I still meet Evertonians on Derby Day, and some of them come to our pubs. But I think the younger generation, uh, that is, that is, you know, finished. It's finished, and there's a lot of. There's a lot of bit- bitterness and a lot of. Uh, I think it, you know, if you're looking at Everton, I mean, we've we sport their lives. To me, as Liverpoolians, we won, you know, the Milk Cup final '84, FA Cup final '86, '89, and and they were always looking for reasons when the Premier League started of why why they weren't successful. And you know, I think it's down to their board decisions rather than being banned from Europe or whatever. But they'll always bring that up. But Heysel was never mentioned until about '94, '90. Mm. 90- Ten years after I saw, because there was a solidarity there before. During the eighties, there was solidarity between Liverpool and Everton fans because it, it, they were against that year, Basically, that's what right. it was. You know, right? Yeah. The eighty-six cup final, where everyone you got it on YouTube, everyone singing Merseyside. Yeah, yeah. The uh, city council, so it, it's very complicated, and there's no, there's no, re- you know, there's no easy answers. But I, I just know for a fact that the. The young, younger generation, it's it's changed definitely. I think in in our day, it was more down to fashion. Liverpool yeah. fans, fans wore the same type of clothes, cagoules and and training shoes and that type of thing, and it was it was crossed over a lot. You know, the cultural thing, yeah, fascinating, very big, absolutely yeah. fascinating. I went to Paris, the European Cup final, and after ten lads, I went with them. Uh, three of them were Evertonians. Really. really? You know, they, for the, for the laugh they went for the jolly didn't they yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's brilliant I love all that uh, football social history as I call it this is the best 11 podcast from talk sport a lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is the Best Eleven podcast with Johnny Owen and Mark Webster. Right, Pete, here's the big question. This is the one. Oh, this is the one. This is your best Liverpool eleven. Really difficult, we know, for Liverpool fans. A bit like Man United fans. I don't know. It's, a, it's an embarrassment of riches for you, but we're gonna have to make you uh, pick your favourite eleven and manager yeah. of that team. Yeah, have I got to say why I picked them all? Yeah, very. Them? Listen, you tell us. Elaborate and you can why. Have the longest benches you want. Yeah, as well, yeah. Which I, I'm think, sure I think. I think. I think the squad would be big, wouldn't it? Really. <laughs> Yeah, uh, well, me in goal, it's got to be Ray Clements. Fair enough. Yeah. Clements, who's absolutely brilliant. And, you know, obviously, Alisson is pushing him hard. And if Alisson in the next few years, if he's carries on the way he is, you know, it will be Alisson in a few years' time. But I think for me, Clements. Yeah, it was, I, interestingly enough, it was, it was, it was a, a permanent battle between him and Peter Shilton at the time for the England number one, wasn't it? Exactly. And Clements probably didn't get as many caps as he should have done simply because of Peter, Peter Shilton, Shilton existed yeah. in the same And, and Ron, even Ron Greenwood couldn't decide because he used to alternate them for Swap games, them. didn't yeah, he? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, you know, I mean, it's one of them. I think when you look back to your childhood, it's nostalgia as well, isn't it? You know, yeah, so. of course, of course. And the next one, it's. You've got to go for Phil Neal, haven't you? Right back. Ooh, I mean, right. I, see, I had this with Stephen Graham. It's like I was yeah, like, you leaving Phil Neal? That's a big because he, he won four European cups. It's a massive shout because Phil Neal's the most. Uh, he's got the most medals ever, doesn't he? Yeah. As a, as a player, you know, so you can't disregard that. Also, his nickname taking penalties was Zico, so always <laughs> a great penalty taker. So. I was I was tempted to put Trent in because I think Trent's an unbelievable footballer. Yeah, but I think I had to go with uh, Stephen Graham. Endeavoured to change his eleven by text after the interview. Yeah, he did. It was that. It was that sweating over it. Yeah, Trust he was. me, Pete. Yeah. That's great. So, so in goals, Ray Cremins. Uh, you got Phil Neil right. Phil back. Neil right back. Carry on, mate. Yeah. Then um, it's Van Dijk. That was my um, guess. Yeah, Van Dijk. Oh, he's going to be on every. Best eleven Liverpool team ever. Even if he, even if he disappeared now, yeah. You know, because you know, he's just been, he's just transformed the team so much. You know, he's just been unbelievable. Um, and then Alan Hansen. What a what a partnership that yeah, is. Yeah, that would. Be, that's wow. silk, that's some silky football oh. there, isn't it? And they can both defend yeah. and bring the ball out, do everything you want really from a centre half partnership. So another very difficult one because I think Robertson's right up there as yeah. you know, as yeah. but. If you look at the team that we were picked, um, it's Emily News, you know, because yeah. it transformed the team as well uh, in the late sixties and early. And he was just, he was, you know, his nickname was Crazy Horse, and he just transformed the attitude of the team. You know, magnificent player, you know, and Robertson's up there, definitely. Yeah, uh, maybe maybe in two or three two or three years, you never know. We've struggled with left backs, you know. We've had we've had some decent ones, but uh, I think uh, for me, Robertson's got you know he's like he's Joey Jones with a bit more skill, you know. Yeah, and he's, yeah. he's got that attitude, and he's never said that. And I wanted to pick him. Um, I wanted to pick him, but I think I've got to go with him. Yeah. Obviously, I'm putting I'm putting Julian Dix on the. Of course, bench he is. I was going to say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say I was going to say if he's on passion alone, Joey Jones will be captain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Also, yeah, Emlyn Hughes had a great song, but Manfred Mann, come on with it, come on with it. You're not seeing nothing like the mighty Emlyn. <laughs> that very nearly stands as well, so Pete is in, yeah, definitely. We'll <laughs> so we're into, we're into, mid, we're into midfield, midfield, Pete. Midfield, well, we hold a midfield player is, is uh, Graeme Sooners. Oh, yeah. Nothing, nothing's getting past Graeme Sooners. And the very fact that, you know, he's obviously um, over the years, you know, I don't, I don't think Sooners thinks that Liverpool fans love him, but they do. I think, you know, there's big debates on forums whether there should be a flag for Sooners, you know. So, yes, Sooners, uh, and I, 
on to the right of Sunus, and although Gerard didn't like playing on the right, Benitez had him famously had him on the right for a bit. I'd have Steven Gerrard just to the right of Sunus. Okay. And what a magnificent player. He, you know, just so sad that, you know, um, he's remembered for that slip and you know, we just he dragged that club with him for fifteen years, you know, he just yeah. humbled. I, 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 the team on his back at times, and I know that's a West Ham chagrin, obviously, and you know, but there were moments when it would just become incredible to see one man kind of lift an entire. I literally seen up. that they played played Cardiff in the League Cup, beat them two one, and Cardiff had yeah. the audacity to equalise. And literally, yeah. you know, like in a schoolyard, they would put the ball down. Gerard picked the ball up and went past the ball and scored. Yeah. And he literally <laughs> did that as if he was like, "All right, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm annoyed by this now." Yes. I was thinking, dear me. Those those famous games, the one against West Ham, the FA Cup. Um, 2006 was it? Yeah, yeah. when he scored. You know, absolutely. I mean, I was right behind that with me lads, and I thought, "What's he shooting from there for?" And then it just came towards us. We had to, even though it was going in the net, we ducked. Just, yeah. you know. And um, the, Olymp- also, the uh, Olympiacos game. Remember the Olympiacos game in the, in the Champions League? Fantastic. And, uh, what a hit, son. What a hit that yeah. one. Yeah. And yeah. also uh, in Istanbul, when he. He scores the header and he just yes. gets the ball off the net. He's, he's going, come on, you know, he, just unbelievable, you know, yeah. fantastic player. Catalyst of a player, yeah. The left of Sunes would be uh, John Barnes. Lovely, oh, nice. Uh, I, I love uh, John Barnes. Watching him in his pomp in that hole that he played in, which was not quite on the wing. Not quite, you know, not quite halfway line. It yeah. was sort of in this space that he used to play, and they used to take the ball to him, didn't they? In those days, Pete, it was uh, give it a Barnsley. He lost. He lost his. He lost his pace because his Achilles yeah. went. Didn't he? But he was playing like Dunga in them days. Remember yeah. Dunga from yeah. Yeah. midfield, and he was absolutely brilliant. I don't. I can't remember him misconsoling the ball in the middle of midfield in like eight years or whatever. But he'd lost a bit of his pace, so sometimes the crowd were a bit um, harsh to him. But I think if you if you've got Sooners holding, you've got Barnes there. He can go down the wing as well. You know. True. Yeah. So, you uh, just couldn't get the ball off him. People couldn't get the ball off him. I remember him. We used to go in the corner of the cup in those days. We were a bit older. Um, on the Cameron Roadside, I still call it the Cameron. It's called the Centenary or the Kenny Dagley stand now. Mm. Uh, and Barnes would just walk towards players. He wouldn't sprint towards them. He'd walk to them and put it through the legs and get it on the other side. You know, it was just incredible stuff. It was it was Brazilian football, you know, that we'd never seen at Anfield before. You know, fantastic. Great show. John Barnes in there. Yeah, so then uh, behind me front two, I'd have uh, Daglish. Daglish is going No, that's, that's not happening, is it? Is Liverpool <laughs> fan putting Daglish in the first 11? <laughs> no. Well, that's a shocker. <laughs> you know, I'd play him just behind me, me front two and just the intuition of Daglish, everything he did. He, you know, what a player. time on the ball again. And, um, you know, it, it was... It just seemed to be... Uh, natural for him and everything yeah. seems to be slow motion with Jack yeah. with Kenny um, nothing was rushed he had time on the ball and he was he was just the uh, he was just an unbelievable footballer I'm brave I, I, I said we were talking this to Stephen Graham John Robertson says to me when he played for Scotland is to get on his back a bit at Scotland because they expect him to be like he was in Liverpool but he didn't have the, the players, the players around didn't have Ian Rush for a start oh, yeah. and, he, and he was saying that um he never, John Robson, he never shied away from the ball. Didn't no. matter what kind of game he was having. He said, Kenny would always go, I'll have it. And he said, I loved him for it. He said, he was the bravest player I ever played with. Yeah. yeah. Give him the ball. Yeah. You know. Great. And, and great, again, not, great not a pacey footballer. No. And not a big man, but but tough. Tough. And always ahead of the game. Yeah. It's incredible to watch. Just a brilliant, brilliant footballer. Yeah. So, my um, strikers would be, and another really difficult one because I wanted to get, you know, I wanted to get Mane in there. You're playing eight up front, aren't you? That's what you're saying. <laughs> you could, couldn't you? <laughs> Liverpool's players. It's not an 82 team, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's obviously got to be in rush. You know, greatest goal scorer the club have ever had, you mm. know, in terms of statistics. And that. Yeah. Uh, I'd, get, I'd shave his moustache off. <laughs> but he wouldn't be the same. He's I like Samson. His yes. strength is in his moustache. Definitely. Think, uh, but unbelievable and the time he scored four Goodison in the derby that time yeah, yeah I remember it very well Rush scored one Rush scored two Rush scored three and Rush scored four you know and uh, so he'd have to be in the team you know and he's 
uh, you know, absolutely fantastic. Do you know, it's a funny thing, Pete. I, I, I seen him for Wales during that era as well. And he was the record goal scorer for Wales until Gareth Bale recently passed him. But, um, but people forget, Wales didn't have a midfield. So, you know, the thing was, he was scoring goals in Liverpool, but he was playing, let's be fair, with Kenny Dalglish and Graham Smith. Pass after pass after pass. So he could do yeah. that. But in Wales, you know, he had Barry Horn, basically. <laughs> so, um, no disrespect. But he was still our record goal scorer and only half a chance. And we, when, we, when he used to play, and, you know, he scored against Germany when they were world champions, I always used to think, even as a kid, well, we got a chance now because yeah. Ian Rush is playing because he could score you a goal when you least expect. Yeah, phenomenal, true. True. phenomenal goal scorer. Out of nothing, yeah. nothing. I think um, you know he's one of those players who he was. He was when um, when he was recommended by uh, Jeff Twentyman, who was Liverpool's famous scout. That's right, yeah. Um, one of the board members come up to Jeff Twentyman after about a year and said, "You bought us a dud there, haven't you?" About Ian Rush, <laughs> and Rush went in to see Paisley and said, "You know what?" You know, I'm not getting a game and I'm not scoring. What do you want? He said, just be, just be greedy. Just got to start thinking about yourself. Just be more, you know, keep the ball more and just go for yourself. And that transfer, that bit of advice transformed. But just showed you our greatest scout ever, who, who was um, Jeff Twentyman. Yeah. And he was the beginning of the uh, demise of the boot room when he left in 86. Yeah. Uh, he, he was getting told by... Uh, Directors who didn't have a clue about football, you bought us a dud with Ian Rush. Yes, um... <laughs> the greatest goal scorer the club's ever had. You know? That's amazing, absolutely amazing. One, to, one, one to go. spot left. Sorry, one Pete. One spot. Uh, one to go, and I think just the most natural finisher I've ever seen. It's got to be Robbie Fowler. I knew going to say, <laughs> or God, as you call him in on, uh, in, on music. Uh, local boy, you've got to have someone, uh, you know. Um, Fowler for me when I first saw him play uh, it was it was like our Maradona he was just unbelievable yeah. you know he couldn't get the ball it was all left for us it was you know it was all, every the way he turned and everything was natural I think anyone who's ever coached Fowler says he couldn't coach him he was like that as a kid he's a bit like Rooney in a way uncoachable right I think a great quote from Ferenc Puskas isn't it which one of my favourite football quotes is I thank my father for all the coaching he never gave me. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There's a, there's, a great, there's a great line from uh, from Brian Clough. I know Nottingham Forest for your big rivals, but they said to him, how do, you, how do you coach John Robertson? And he said, it's very simple. I say, I'll meet you quarter to three, bring your boots. Yeah. And it's so true. You don't, you don't yeah. coach those kind of players. Let them and do that, their thing. And I, and I think, yeah, Robbie Fowler was just an absolute natural, wasn't he? Like the same with his left foot. Yeah. I'll no, tell you the no, nice no. thing as well, Pete, about this is that, I mean, you've got Van Dijk in there, but if we did this again in five years, think of your current crop of players that you're going to have to, to threat over to get into yeah. your best 11. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And I, and I was saying, I've said on uh, on interviews in the past you know, few months, before the end of the season, really, that you know, not many of the old squad would get into the new team. Yeah. <laughs> it shows you how you, you know, a few weeks without football, you, you, you change your opinion, you know. But um, obviously, I think Mane and Salah are exceptional players. And Firmino, but I think you've got to have... You've got to have people who were there for so many yeah, years. Yeah. I mean, listen, fans, listen, that's yeah. not a bad front line. Doug Leash, Russian foul no, is not no, a bad I, front I, line. I, I think they paid their dues. <laughs> I, I really do. Yeah. There's a few European cups there, yeah. Seeing that, you know, uh, Doug Leash behind Fowler and Rush, you think, what am I going to do? You know? Yeah, it's, it's exactly. actually fun. Get past them and you've got a. You got soonest to take the ball off you. you know? Yeah, True. exactly. True. I was going to so just as difficult a question, I think, because you know you've got with with Klopp three, I mean, top 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 managers. Uh, but who would manage that team? It's yeah, it's really hard. It's you know, tough. Me, my, my heart goes with Bill Shankly. Yeah. And my heart goes with Bill Shankly, but my head goes with Jurgen Klopp. Yeah. Um, my heart is because I grew up as a kid idolising Shankly you know everything he did every every utterance out of his mouth everything about him you know mm. but I think um, you know I think I've got to go with Klopp uh, and one of the main reasons I've chosen Klopp is because not only because of his celebrations mm. but he's um, but because everything about him you know um he, he, he is very similar to Shankly in many ways. He, you know, he, he his enthusiasm for football knows no bounds. It's unbelievable, uh, and he's very similar. You know, we got a goalkeeper, a centre, a spine of the team that Shankly always used to talk about. But I think in terms of Klopp, you know, I think uh, 
that emotion that he shows, the celebrations, and the fact that he's 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 taken on Pep Guardiola, who is probably one of the best managers ever, mm. no doubt about that. Mm. And he's inside Guardiola's head, isn't he's, he? He's 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 the perfect. He's the perfect fit, isn't he? A bit like Shankly going to Liverpool and the great quotes from Shankly, you know, I knew the crowd was here, I knew the people were here, they were my kind of people. All those things Shankly said that, you know, that he that he brought the best out of the city and, and that, that Klopp's, love they Klopp's had. Done Klopp's thing. done the same yeah. thing, hasn't he, really? You know, I think even begrudgingly, Evertonians, I know, Man United fans, I know, you actually yeah. despise Liverpool. They've got a grudging respect there for Klopp because they know... If they'd have been at their club, you know, they would have transformed their club as well. Because if you look at the situation, Liverpool under Rodgers, we were, you know, we nearly won the league 2013-14. But I think as I've said to you in the past, if we had a won the league, Rodgers might have been given more time. But Klopp is the real deal. Mm. Everything about him, you know, and you could see it with the celebrations. You know, he wasn't, he looked like a German football fan. He had scarf around <laughs> <laughs> on the back of his jacket I know that's why Pete's picked him he's a better dancer than Bill Shankly it's, it's it <laughs> but not a better dancer than John Toshak no of course John Toshak still rules we know that that's true and he likes music yeah he likes yeah. music he's, he's famously said that certain, uh, the heavy metal uh, football that's he right. talked about heavy metal football. he's got mates I think in bands in Germany and uh, I've never I've never met him in any way like John Peel said, he never wanted to meet. I never really want to meet him if you know what I mean. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Don't yeah. ruin it. Leave yeah. it. Leave oh, it that he's oh. on this thing. Pete, absolutely, Pete, absolutely oh. fantastic, mate. I mean, that was super. That, that was superb, and, and it's so difficult doing a Liverpool best eleven. I always think because so many great players to pick from and managers. I mean, Bob Paisley as well has got got to take a mention. Exactly. Hasn't he? Yeah, but um, yeah, I think in terms of personality, yeah, it's got. Wasn't it? I mean, yeah. Paisley was brilliant, but he, you know, he didn't like. He was shy, wasn't he? Yeah. I think in the modern media world, yeah, you know, he, he would have struggled to cope. It would have been, been difficult for him. Difficult yeah. for him. Yeah. He would have taken. You know, he would have been made up with the modern media. <laughs> Shankly would have been on telly every day, wouldn't yeah. he? <laughs> <laughs> what was the name of the little? Um, you had a little uh, journalist called Horace something. Was it the? A, yeah, a sleepy provincial club, as Horace says, and then Bill Shankly arrives, and he says every day I used to run in with a little notepad because he'd go, he'd call him That's into the office. Career. I'm going to tell you, yeah. Horace is suddenly flying around Europe within a few years. Yes. Fantastic. I don't think they knew what they were getting Liverpool Football Club. I think Weird, they were in the second division and they were getting good gates, and but he was an absolute whirlwind. He had all the staff painting the ground, didn't he, and fixing yeah. everything, fixing the toilets, and you know. <laughs> Yeah, you know, he, he just, it was collectivism. It was like, yeah. and that's the, that's what Klopp's got as well. He, yeah. You know, we go, it's not phony, you see. When he went back with the European Cup, he, was, he went round to all the uh, tea ladies and all the cleaners and he's hugging them. You know, it must be a nightmare for him now not being able to hug people. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Pete, thanks so much, mate, Cheers, for joining mate. us. You've been a legend, top man. And we'll speak Enjoy to you it. soon, OK? All the best. See you now. Cheers, The Best 11 Podcast from Talk Sport. Thank you for listening to the Best 11 podcast. Don't forget, we've got new episodes out every Thursday. So join us for more football memories and another Best 11 very soon. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.